Good night, Harlem. As you guys heard from that little insert, we both got five on it, so I guess we got ten. Word, 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 <laughs> word, word. We're gonna talk a little bit about. We're gonna talk about a little little movie that just came out this past weekend. What's the name of the movie? Um, is it called You? No, that's a Netflix show. Is it called United States? <laughs> Oh, us. That's word, right. Man, word, yeah, that's word, right. word, 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 word. I was going to say get out part two. So, we, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the, the, <laughs> both of us saw the movie already. So we're going to take 10 minutes to discuss the movie before we get into the shits. However, uh, today's episode is really going to be around, including when we add in the stuff about the movie, that today's episode is really around optics. Now, for those of you who don't know what optics mean, optics is the way in which an event or course of action is perceived by the public. So I wanted to start the show with us going over each one of our thoughts around the movie, Us, because each topic that we're going to touch on, even outside of the movie, Us, all has to deal with optics how what is the public perception post something happening or how could the public perceive something posted happening uh so with that being said i want to i want to talk about your thoughts on the movie us and for those of you who haven't seen the movie please just skip over this first 10 minutes because i'm telling you at the 10 minute mark i will stop the discussion about us no matter where we are at because we don't want to take up too much time from the show to do it so all right avia what did you did you first of all did you like it did i like it um, i feel like you're very um critical yeah let, let's talk about let's talk about ratings on this if you were to have a out of 10, what would you give it? Because I know what I'm giving it, so I'll start with what I would give it. Okay. And I hope this doesn't Nothing's make gonna you skew. feel away. No, it's fine. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. That's where I'm at. What are you giving it? I think I would probably give it the same, actually. All right. Maybe all right. even a 7. So here, here, is, here is my why I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Because we're going to deal with the optics part of the conversation. We're going to deal with the other stuff in a minute, but... The reason why I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 is because I felt like 30 minutes of the movie, 30 minutes of a two-hour movie, didn't need to be there. They could have actually Which cut 30 away. minutes? Or I was, was it I would collectively? Start, I, I'm, I'm saying it as a collective. It felt like they, draw, they, draw, they drew up too many scenes for no reason, to no point. Uh, I think some of the scenes that it could have been eliminated were scenes where they were in the house by themselves, the family just chilling with each other. Oh, yeah. Unnecessary. Yeah. Her going downstairs uh, in the house to 
relook at something and go, oh, this was me doing the ballet thing. But like, it didn't add up to anything. It didn't add any additional flair to it, actually, in my opinion. It didn't. Uh, and I felt like them going back and forth between scenes multiple times over between when she was younger and older, I think you could have did all of that in like two two times, period. And you didn't have to keep going back so many times. Well, I think the reason why he kept going back so many times is because he didn't want to reveal everything at once. And so him going back Yeah, but was, he still ended up revealing a lot more at once. He still did it. I'm just saying, like, he was revealing things as the story went by. So, like, I feel like the very end is where he revealed most of the past for the audience to understand why everything happened the way that it did. But I feel like it was just trying to provide additional context. Like he was slowly lifting the layers of who she was just so that we wouldn't get it too soon. You could have did that at the very beginning of the movie, though. Right after the stuff happened where the girl gets snatched, you could have did the same exact thing and given us the context a little bit you're more. You're right, all at up. once, you're yeah. saying, right? And yeah, then went into that, and you don't have to keep reaching back because we know where some of these things happen. Now, if you want to bring it up, you show like a 10-second thing, and you give them, give them that context again. Hey, remember when she was feeling this way? And this is another extension of that. Great. But then you don't have to show me a full 30-second clip. That's taking too much. Mm-hmm. But that's where I stood on why I gave it a 7.5. What about you? Um, I think I kind of sabotaged myself when, when I watched this. Because, um, <laughs> first of all, we you and I had spoke uh, before I watched it, right? And one of the things... So, Law didn't give me any spoiler alerts or anything like that. One of the things he did say was, just listen to the words. Like, pay attention to what they're saying. So, I was like, okay. I'm going to pay attention to everything that they say, right? So I had that in my mind. Then I had in my mind, I know this movie is going to be touching on some deep stuff. I already have it in my mind. There's going to be all this symbolism. There's going to be all these multiple meanings and everything like that. So I was like mentally trying to prep myself for what I was about to watch. And I didn't even know what I was about to watch. Mm -hmm. So I think I kind of like... It kind of didn't work in my favor because the whole time I was watching the movie, I was trying to do too much to figure it out instead of really just trying to just sit there and enjoy it like I would any other movie. Um, so in that way, I feel like I, I sabotaged myself on that. Um, also, I, it was one of those movies where I left the theater and I didn't know how I felt about it. Ooh. Talk about <laughs> it. Talk about it. Well, it was just kind of like... I had questions, which is fine to have questions, but, you know, and it's natural for us to to uh, compare this movie to Get Out only because these are the only two movies he's ever created and Get Out had such a big splash that we're thinking about how we felt after watching Get Out and comparing it to how we feel after watching this, even though they're two completely different movies. And I think it's natural to do that. And that's what I did. Get Out, I left feeling like I had answers. Like, I felt like it really just kind of came together for me. And I was like, I understand what happened. I understand why everything happened. And everything else that I would learn from reading articles would just be extraneous things that maybe I had missed. This movie, I feel like there were things that I wasn't aware of to understand why things happened. That I had to do a lot of digging to understand it from looking at articles afterwards. And maybe I'm just slow or maybe I'm just not informed. But there were certain things like the whole hands across America thing that happened when I was 
one years old. So I didn't know anything about that initiative until I looked up the articles and I was like, okay, so that's a symbolism between everyone wearing, you know, I know it was on the t-shirt, but I didn't know what it was. Everyone uh, holding hands. And and now I understand why all the um, tethered were doing that. But there was there are certain things like that where I was just like, okay, well, why are they doing that? And what does this mean? And I can come up with my own speculation, like, you know, well, red means danger and we keep seeing red and everything like that. Another thing, I'm not really keen on Bible verses and everything like that. I can't quote the Bible like some of you guys can. I did not know Jeremiah 11, 11. I really didn't. I, I could never look at that and be like, I know exactly what that means. And I know how to apply it to this movie as I was watching the movie. So I had to look that up. And so I don't mind having to do like additional research to understand a movie. But I felt like I had to do too much because of my own lack of knowledge. And maybe that's my fault. But I do think that uh, Jordan Peele does have an interesting way of making people look into things research, become acquainted, get knowledgeable about things. And that is actually a good thing because I feel like we should know certain things. And maybe it may take a movie or something in another entertainment form for us to look something up or have more knowledge about it. So in that aspect, that's cool. But I feel like for a movie, I just felt like I was ill-prepared for understanding. All right. here Here is my take on the movie as a whole. I think it's a movie about... Duality, oppression, and optics, as I already spoke spoke about before. I think the central focus clearly is oppression uh, and lack of appreciation for the things that you have. Um, And then on another note, um, it's how we as a society can appreciate someone's struggle when the optics fit into our own narrative. But what about when those optics are flipped? I don't think the average person can 100% be empathetic until they went through somebody else's situation. And I think the movie really hits home that point of it shouldn't take you to actually live through somebody's situation to actually understand why. Um, I think they he does a very good job about clearly showing you what one person and the, the, the actual Red, who's Lupita's character that stays the whole time, not not the actual evil red who like takes the girl the and took the one still alive at the end. Yes, the yes. one who's still alive at the end. He does a very good job of showing you how far she will go to stay in the position she's in. Mm-hmm. When you've been oppressed and you you get out of that, a lot of people will not go back. You will not go back to being broke. You will not go back to living the life you had before. You will do anything and everything to stay above water. Then on the flip side, if you get everything taken away from you that you've always known and you lived a comfortable life, you weren't living rich, but you were comfortable, but you never had any reason to like think about it. And then you get taken and put in that position. What do you do then? You will do anything in your power to get back there. So who wants it more when you get in that position? And it shouldn't take somebody... It shouldn't take you to view your situation as advantageous, like when you're on the bottom again to figure that out. But since it did, now, at the very beginning of the movie, when you were younger, young Lupita, she saw the Hands Across America stuff and was like, oh shit, that's dope. That's the last thing that she saw. She saw people protesting as a whole to be able to give back donations to the homeless. 
it was people's way of giving back to people who had less. So in her eyes, this was her way to do that same thing and show the rest of the world that we are here. This is us. Why do you think she waited so long to do it? I think uh, a part of that comes down to you needing to connect with your outside self in order to make this thing come to fruition. And the way that he was making it, the way that Jordan Peele created the story out, in my opinion, was such that the only person that was able to connect with the outside world was that special one. So Lupita would again have to connect with that special one again in order to make that happen. Mm. That's the only thing that I can get from that. Yeah, I can see that. So once that person was close again, it's like the revolution will happen now. Oh, it's happening. Let's go. Right. I I liked um actually the whole white rabbit symbolism because I didn't know that Jordan Peele had a fear of rabbits. Mm-hmm. And so he was basically saying, hold on, I have the quote here. He was like, on rabbits, they're supposed to be cute. On paper, they're adorable, loving animals. And then he says, have you ever gotten close to rabbits? Rabbits, you can tell in their eyes, they have a brain of a sociopath. If you put a rabbit brain in a human body, you have Michael Myers, the killer. There's no empathy. So I thought that was pretty interesting with him saying that. And so I'm thinking like, these tethered people have to feed off of these rabbits. And to his mind, rabbits are sociopaths. So what kind of DNA is going to be injected into them as they're eating these rabbits that have this mindset? Which I thought was interesting. There's more symbolism in that than I think you're giving him even credit for. It's more so, think of us as being that as well. The tethered as being a reflection of that but we as the general public we as the people who are above ground so think of the movie as the tethered are the oppressed meaning the poorest form of people right the you know the black family represents middle class middle america and then the white family represents the rich the rich doesn't even fight back when the the tether come to get them the black family's like i'm not giving this life up because this is all i ever worked for meanwhile the tethered is like I will take all of this from you because I Because they have nothing to lose. Exactly. Right. So with all that being said, if you are a rabbit, I don't think it's as simple to say that the rabbit is going to be having this just the same mindset as them. But I think that is the same mentality that either the middle class or the upper class would have in relation to... It's like, I will... I'll fucking... I'll eat you for this shit. Well, I mean, also the the whole symbolism of rabbits being test subjects, which is what the tethered are. So I, I can see why he would use that animal as this is their main form of food. How else would they be able to survive without having an animal that could produce so so quickly, like reproduce so quickly? You know what I'm saying? Um, like there's no other way these, these tethered people could have actually survived without having something to eat. My symbolism point would be around the scissors. I love the, the symbolism of the scissors and duality in scissors. Uh, if you look at scissors, both sides of it are the same exact. Like So you have a long pointed edge, which can be used to cut, whereas you have a handle on the other end that looks the same exact way as the other side. But when you put them together, that's when they're at their strongest. We as people don't look at each other that way, though. We just don't. We don't look at one person or the other. We're like, no, I don't need you. I don't need that either. 
And meanwhile, all of us are what makes this what it is. All of us. Yo, I was... I... I literally was thinking of so many things throughout the movie. I was like, okay, so what's, what if the tethered's this? And then the, the non-oppressed is this. Like, I was thinking, like, is this supposed to be about, like, intra-racism? Like, the tethered are, like, the the Africans that... Um, that became slaves in America and the non-oppressed are the Africans that got to stay in Africa or like what if the tethered are black people and the the non-oppressed are white people like I was trying to think of all these things and I think it can be all those things it could be that the tethered are immigrants in America and the non-tethered are like us anyone in America who has freedom that is yeah. like it could be so he, many he, things he, though. He That's what I'm saying. He was definitely trying to blur that line on purpose though. Oh, of course. Of course. Um and he kind of talked about that. I think what he tried to do with the tethered is make them such that any of us could it mo- sorry, what he was trying to do with the middle class family is saying anybody could relate to them. But now that you taken somebody from the lowest rung which is one of the tethers and put them in that scenario and you've empathized with them the whole movie do you still empathize with them once the movie is about to end because now you're now you're invested in this character so how do you flip back to not being invested mm-hmm. so it and- reminded me of of those stories that you hear about women stealing people's kids out the hospitals and raising them as their own and then the kids don't realize that their mom isn't their mom until they have to apply for a job and they don't have a social security card. That's awful. I don't know about That's that, actually that's happened awful. at a Harlem hospital. I'm not lying. That is awful. Um, but I do want to commend like Lupita, honestly. She had the hardest role out of anybody. I mean, they they all did an excellent job, but like she literally went to vocal training, she had a dialect coach, she had all this training for her to get this voice of um red and it was crazy like to the point where she's like i don't even want to be in a part two if there is a part two because it just took so much out of her i actually read that each day she would focus on one character like she couldn't flip back and forth between scenes because she had to use that full day of filming to focus on that one character which i can completely understand because that's just can you imagine like the amount of emotional like roller coaster you have to go through to play that character. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I give more credit, just as much credit, not more credit, just as much credit to the filmography as well as the visual effects team because I never felt like there was only one Lupita. I always felt like there was two. Oh yeah. That says vault just think about all the movies well, you watched when we were younger. Think about it. Like you, you would know. You're like, oh, this is like a this is a two screen thing where clearly they're just talking. Like Parent Trap. Nah, you you can't no, tell anything. Honestly, I'm and I'ma sound really dumb. Like the first few minutes of the movie where they show, uh, well, not the few minutes, but the few minutes where they show grown Red and grown Adelaide. I was like, is that is that Lupita or is that someone else? I really had to ask myself, is that really her or is that somebody else who looks just like her playing this role? Because I was like. Wait a minute. Oh, shoot. That is her. All the characters I had to ask, like, is that? And I like that. I love that. Um, Dope. What was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Oh, there was one other thing that I read that I thought was really, really interesting. And the fact that they used the Five on It song, they had mentioned in this article that 
the the guy who wrote the hook, his name is Michael Marshall, and he wrote the hook and never really received credit for it, never got financial gain from it or anything like that. And so when the movie came out using the song, he actually talks about how he wrote the hook and sang the hook to the original song and never got any gain or, or, or notoriety for it. And someone had paralleled that to the tethered in the movie about how there's like all these people that don't get any credit for what they do and they're like underground and we're unaware that they even exist. Like I never even heard of Michael Marshall until this whole thing came out. I'm like, oh, that sucks. He got no credit, no nothing until, well, I guess until this movie came out. But um, I thought that that was an interesting parallel that I don't think was meant to be. I will never listen to that song the same ever, <laughs> ever again. Thank you, Jordan Peele. Uh, <laughs> on a final note, I do not think it lives up to what Get Out was. Like, as you oh, were saying earlier, no. I don't think it has that kind of effect. But what I think it's about to do is gangbusters at the movies. It's already made $70 million in opening weekend. I do think the movie might end up making two hundred to two fifty, and that's that's amazing. That's a shit ton of money for a movie that costs twenty million dollars to make. Two quick questions. One, did you figure it out before the ending? I figured it out. Uh, I want to say probably thirty minutes before the ending. Okay, and then two, would you see it again with this new perspective of knowing the ending? Because I feel like this is the type of movie that you would. Like, no, with a fresh set of I, eyes, okay, knowing, so, so you can look out for certain things and, and look at it differently. In fairness, for me, my memory's really good, so there's only three parts of the movie that I would want to see mm, again. Mm-hmm. Of those three parts, one being uh, Red's uh, conversation with the family when, they, when the Reds come into the house first, because that mm-hmm. monologue to me signifies a lot. When she tells a, a story. Yeah. Once upon yeah. a time. Yeah, that that monologue is amazing. Uh, I think I would get a lot from that. And then I think the other one would be I would want to see how uh, the I would want to see how I don't even know how to say this, but there's a scene where the son tell like gets out of the car and she's Walks about backwards. To, yeah. And I want to see the reactions and the whole nine, like what Lupita was doing versus what the Red Sun was doing. And if she knew what was transpiring, if she knew that was going to be a setup, like what did she know in that instance and what didn't she know? Which she? Uh, the Technically, it's Red Lupita who's driving the car at that point, to be, the, be blamed. The actual honest. tethered person. But I would want to know who the the yeah the actual tethered person. I'd want to know who, what what she was actually doing, like what was her mindset? Because mm-hmm. I'd watch it just to see how she's reacting during that. Because she gets out of the car and she's like, "No, I'm going to handle this." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "The fuck is you trying to handle?" I'd already made very distinct judgments on the fact that other Lupita quits. She wasn't snapping on beat, and then when she saw the daughter mm-hmm. killed, I was like, "Oh, clearly." You aren't who you're saying you are because you have some off shit about you. And then the fact that the the other Lupita is the only one that could talk. I'm like, yo, that just means she's not been able to use her voice for a long time. I was kind of mad at myself that I couldn't figure out that because the red character was the only tethered person that could talk. That is the biggest clue we ever got. 
I feel like, in figuring out that she was actually from the, the real world. Because after looking at it, I'm like, oh, duh, that makes well, the, sense. Well, the final thing that shut the door for me, though, was when uh, Lupita's going back into the fun house. And then she goes through that motherfucker like it's a maze. Like, she knew. Right, right. I'm like, if you knew, how the fuck do you know? How you know where to go? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't know where to go. She was super fearless, too. Oh, Super all fearless. All in, like, oh, I, I know where I'm going. And then you just looking in room to room, like, oh, I'm a f-. like, you can't possibly know. So the fact that you know that much tells me everything I need to know. I was like, oh, okay, so you're you're trying not to go back. You're like, I, I'm about to. So then when they review everything, I'm like, yeah, great. So then one, so the last part of it that I was gonna say was there's a monologue between the other Lupita, the two Lupitas, basically. You mean there's a the monologue. End. Yeah, there's yeah. a monologue between them. Mm-hmm. And the son is listening to that whole thing, which right. is why he gives that look at the very end right. of the movie right. because he's like He knows now. He's like you you So how how do you live with like oh god. Cuz that's your mama. I know. How do you live with that's knowing true. your mom did some fuck shit? But that's the only mom he knows. So. Exactly. Yeah. Go off. So you got some crazy shit in you too. Mm mm mm. I just thought the snapping thing was interesting because remember when they're in the car and she was she was offbeat with the snapping? That same snapping carried on when Jason, the little boy, had to go into the closet with the other tethered boy and the tethered boy had the um the lighter mm-hmm. and he was like trying to use a snapping motion to like show Jason how to turn on the lighter and it was like the same motion. And he couldn't get it at first, and then he got it. So I feel like there's like so much tied in this movie, and I feel like I would have to see it again just to really catch everything. It's a lot. And that's it. Uh, we went way longer on us than I expected. Uh, oh, shoot, we did. But that's how the show goes. You guys live and learn. All right, back to the full concept of the show today. The full concept of the show is optics. We're not doing our standard show where we do a hyper good nights and all this other stuff. We're doing a full show around optics, and the optics around that movie, it's it's clear that they were trying to get the message of oppression, and what would you do in those scenarios, and there's a lot that the public is saying about this movie right now. I appreciate the fact that both of us were able to see this very early, but let's transition a little bit. We've been talking about families, and a lot of what we saw in Us was, you know, like a, a parents standing up for their kids, parents standing up for themselves. But in this case, Avia, please bring in this story around this college stuff because this shit is out of control. Well, it's called Operation Varsity Blues. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Wasn't was wait wait that was the name that the that's what they call this whole scam thing. All right, let me let it you give it let the, me give you the, update. the biggest scam college scam ever to be found. Um. Rick Singer has this company called The Key, which allegedly helps wealthy students score better on the ACTs, SATs. They would help uh, bribe college admission people and other uh, college professors and, and head coaches and everything like that. And getting kids of wealthy families into some top-notch schools. Um, basically, he would create fake profiles for kids to make it seem like they were athletic when they weren't 
to get the eyes of coaches and other perspective people in sports to um, uh, have them come to their school. He would have uh, SAT test administrators change tests so that they would score high on the SATs. And he would get paid millions and millions of dollars from all these parents who wanted their kids to go to these top-notch schools, and they couldn't do it on their own. Um, so a few weeks ago, about 50 people were charged in this scamming case. Uh, 33 wealthy parents, and two of those parents were famous actors, well, semi-famous actors, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, also known as Aunt Becky on Full and Fuller House. Um, and there was a lot of backlash around this because Aunt Becky actually paid 500K to get her two daughters into USC. Uh, she had them pose on row machines and made it seem like they were trying to get into the crew team and they actually both got admitted. Felicity Huffman also did the same thing for her, her child. And they both had to pay a bond, which was crazy, and are now facing possible jail time. Actually, a lot of these parents are facing possible jail time. Um, So the optics in this is a little shaky because when you look at someone like Lori Laughlin's daughter, Olivia Jade, she was a person or is a person who has millions of followers on Instagram millions of followers on YouTube. She is like this socialite influencer, had sponsorships with Tresemme, Sephora, and Amazon, and they've all dropped her because of this. She's someone who's been quoted on YouTube in saying that she doesn't really care about school like that. And the only thing she's worried about when it comes to college is parties. And what was the other thing? I forgot parties and tailgating or something like that just recreate recreational activities so there's all this backlash because basically these these students have paid their way to get into schools and all these kids who have been very deserving of getting into schools on their own academic merit were probably turned down because of this i don't know what to say about it i i I think it's just (laughs) i have my thoughts go ahead go ahead so if you want to really talk about optics, to me, I want to start that conversation with what are the optics towards college admissions now? What happens Nobody's with people's perceptions of getting into college? Now, my first impression was this is going to create a firestorm where the middle class and people who come from uh, impoverished families the tethered are, are going to revolt. Basically. <laughs> no, for real. For real. My, my initial thought was this is going to create the kind of storm that gets college admissions to t- really change the way that they do things. But then as I got to know more about the story, this wasn't as much about their direct college admissions because a lot of the college admissions t- team, team members and people weren't impacted and didn't have any knowledge of these things of any of these things it was more so the sports and academia who were being used to do these things so then once that's the story it's like oh we can just blame it on the sports but then 
I went even further with this. My my other thought in terms of public perception, because the public perception now is that the admissions is tainted. But I didn't understand why the public perception before this wasn't that admissions were tainted. So being a person of you know color, which I hate that term, but being a person of color, we had to create HBCUs because they weren't even letting us in college. So that was already a privilege that was only dawned on upon for white people uh and then on top of that if you were to i don't know give a donation i don't know give a donation your child could probably get into that school as well so hasn't it always been kind of pay for play hasn't that always kind of been how things are so then i'm like this shouldn't change public perception or anything this should have already been the way the public perceived this before it doesn't even make sense that they would even have like a problem with this. It should just be, oh, I already assumed that was happening. And just make sure that they go away. Where my where my next thought goes in terms of optics is what happens to those students who are getting pushed out or denied or rejected? Are they now feeling as if they've never gotten a clear shot because there's somebody that's taken their space that just paid to be there? which I wish they were feeling that way before because that's probably the case. And then on the other side of this, if you are a student whose parent did this and you had no knowledge, how do you feel about your parents now? Oh, yeah. They, like how, what, They ruined what? your life. But do you, do you think they're bad people? Do you think they care a lot? Like, what is your perception of your parents now? I, I don't know. You wouldn't call them good parents? I would, I would feel like, damn, mom, you didn't have faith in me to make it on my own. Damn. Like you didn't, you didn't think That's that right. I could excel in my SATs, or you didn't push. Well, I. But my, this well, what, is, what about if it's just more of a guarantee? Like you're like, I, I at least I know. You guarantee. still don't have faith in me. Oh. And and on top of that, it college, college admissions and college acceptance is the first possible like real life heartbreak for some people. Like I feel like in high school, high school doesn't really prep you for, for life. They're, like there's even classes that you take back in my day when I was in high school, I there we took economics, we took math and half the math I learned I don't even use. Like actual classes and things that you do in, in high school, I don't feel like it really preps you for the real world. So when you apply for a college you actually want to go to and you may or may not get a rejection letter and that can that can direct the, the course of your life, that's like real life. That's like your first, your first entrance into real life heartbreak or happiness and how you deal with that. So the fact that these parents felt like I'd rather give my kids a guarantee instead of letting them experience life for what it is and seeing if they can actually make it on their own. I think it's crazy to me that someone would pay 250K. Or 500. Well, I'm saying, well, Lori paid 500 for two, for two kids. So I'm uh, saying 250K for one child to go to school and there's no guarantee that child's going to graduate from school. If you don't think your child could have gotten into school on their own without you having to pay, what makes you think they're going to have the capacity to stay in school and actually graduate? Because I'll tell you this much. I can't tell you how many people I knew failed out of Howard freshman year. 
and did not come back because they didn't know how to handle being away from home. They didn't know how to handle the workload. Um, just ha- what? Let me ask you this though. What about to those parents that are pushing their kids beyond things that they've done? What if you are a parent and your child, not your child, you never got to go through college. You never had that experience. You never did that. And so say you're, I don't know, your own mom and your mom just happened to never go to school and she wants a better life for you and she will do anything and everything to make sure that you have a better life than what she had. Do you fault your mom in that instance? Um, I'm going to say in Lori Laughlin's case, that was the case. She had never been to college. But, uh, uh, Massimo, you- the designer who she married, never went to college. And Olivia Jade was was do- talking about how adamant her parents were when it came you, to her going to college. Do you fault them for that, though? As If it was your parents? Um, yeah, I, I would. I would I would fault them for putting me in a position where now I really can't go to college because you've tainted my name along with yours. Damn you! Before this happened, what do you say? If you knew that your parents would do, if you found out your parents were doing this mm-hmm. and nobody else knew, mm-hmm. would you have been mad at your parents? Um, I I probably would have not been mad, but I probably would have felt like. Like I said before, you don't think that I could have done this on my own. That's the that's the thing. It's like if you're gonna have someone save you every time you need to get something done, how are you gonna ever learn to do anything for yourself? So after these kids go to school, getting getting paid into school, what's gonna be the next step to adulthood? I'm just wondering. Because that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like These parents are using the same means that most rich people use to make it through life. I'm going to pay my way through this. I'm going to pay my way through that. Instead of actually learning how to become an adult. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going to pay a maid to clean my house for the rest of my life. Instead of learning how to clean your own damn house. It's just simple things. I just think it's interesting that these parents paid sums of money for their kids to go to school and then they then had to pay the same sum of money to bond themselves to be be prevented from going to jail. <laughs> like, so was it worth it? Olivia Jade had all these partnerships. She had an actual successful career. And now because of this, it's ruined. She could have easily just not gone to school and had her influence her career. So, and that's why I feel like this, this is just so crazy so to me. So right now, they could have went back to school, but the kids felt like... Again, yeah, they're all still enrolled. The, the the kids felt like the optics weren't good, and if they went back, there would be teased, and they already saw people bullying them online, right, so they exactly. want to go back. Where where are they going to go now? But what are me, they going to do? But let me say this: Olivia Jade, of all those other kids, in my opinion, has the highest has potential. No, no, she has the highest potential to actually bounce back from this because she's already known. Yes, she has a YouTube following that, in my opinion, if she actually does this the right way. PRs her way out of this and just goes, yeah, guys, I'm owning this. This happened, blah, 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 blah. I I did or I didn't know. Just be honest about whatever and then go from there. The problem is if your mom gets put away, you just have to start backing off on talking about that anymore after you do it one time. 
and then try to recreate the success you were having before. That's it. But on the flip side, we don't know the names of any of these other kids that are part of this scam. So that means that in that case, it could actually work in their favor as well. Cause let me tell you right now, Chris Jenner would flip this shit on his fucking Ooh, head. Chris Jenner would create a documentary about her kids scamming and then keep on scamming some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre posted on IG, my daughter got accepted in USC, all on her own, no jail time. Ooh, Chale. <laughs> the internet saw that and woo, read this man for filth. For filth. Basically, they found an article that was posted in 2013 where Dr. Dre and one of his investor partners gave UCLA $70 million. When I say 70, when I say 70, I didn't say 20, I didn't say 30, I said $70 million. They also found old posts slash messages where his daughter said, oh, yeah, my dad's pushing me to go to USC. So I guess that's probably where I'll end up going. Same situation. Ooh, Charlie. Basically, what he did was, this is what the optics of, of his tweets. <laughs> was it a tweet? This is what it looks like. Him putting no jail time is what alarmed me. <laughs> No jail time. But it's no jail time. Yeah, but that alarmed me because that's making people look into things, right? They're like, why would you write that? So when people look into things and they see that you donated $70 million to have um, what's called the Andre Young Academy for Arts, Technology, and the Business of Innovation Program (laughs) with your name on a building on USC's campus... Dr. Dre, you're basically telling us you ain't getting no jail time because you found a different way to get your daughter in. And it wasn't by paying someone directly to bribe a college official. It was to invest in a program that can help other students so that USC has no choice but to be like, all right, why not let your daughter in? Look what you've done for us. So, yeah, there is no jail time because you found a loophole. But still, it does look a little, hmm Optically, looks a little shady, right? <laughs> I think it would be more news if your daughter didn't get in. <laughs> she probably didn't even apply to any other school because she already knew what was going to go down. He deleted the post, of course. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he should have never wrote it. That's why he deleted it. He's like, oh, shoot, I forgot he, about that $70 million dollar donation. He deleted the post because the optics look bad. Let me tell you. You have a building on your campus named after your dad. And you think you're not going to get accepted to that school? Come on now. Come on. All right. (laughs) Let's move on. Let's stick to colleges a little more. For those of you who don't know, right now is March Madness. March Madness is the, the NCAA basketball tournament where all the best teams in all of America come together to play that good old college game that we all love. Now, during the tournament, one of the highest profile coaches by the name of uh, Coach Izzo for Michigan State came under a little fire. 
And for those of you who don't know who Coach Izzo is, he is one of those people that champions his players. They normally have his back. They really love him. And he doesn't really get into much. But uh, in this instance, Coach Izzo called the timeout. His player comes over to him. And in the process of the player coming over to him, he grabs the player by the arm really quickly, lets go of his arm, puts his hand, puts his finger towards the player's face, yelling at him, letting him know you not only did something wrong, but I told you you need to do better. Is that all he said? It was probably some swear words in there. <laughs> it was probably a couple of swear probably. words in there. But he was aggressively in the kid's face, uh, sits the kid down with the rest of the team, stands up in the kid's face, almost in. In a similar fashion to somebody who was trying to punk you at a lunch table. Like, you're going to do what the fuck I say or else. And the optics of that did not sit well with a lot of people. Black Twitter exploded. Uh, sports ana- analysts across the board have their opinions on it. The majority of sports analysts were basically saying, this is a non-issue. This is how coaches coach. If you're yelling at them, you're putting your hands on them, whatever. You do what you got to do to get your players motivated. And you don't know what conversations that these people were having before this. So this could just be a non-factor. And on the flip side... Everything you can possibly think of in black Twitter was coming out from Draymond Green responding, who used to be a Michigan State player who was actually coached by Tom Izzo. He said that uh, specifically he's been in those huddles. He knows how that goes. The coach goes off and he's like, you you will notice if you actually watch the video that I'm referring to. There are several players that like put their hands on Tom and say, hey, man, let it go. Let's just move on to the next play. Draw the next play up because they know what Tom's going to do. And so they just need to take his mind off of it. Draymond's saying that happens all the time. He's not condoning it, but it happens all the time. And he also stated that Tom Izzo is okay with somebody that gives him just as much shit back. And the players know that. So that's where he he said he actually likes it when they give him shit back. So, the other comments that came up were from Jamel Hill and Bomani Jones, both of which aren't necessarily really that happy with what and how uh, Tom Izzo handled himself in this. But I, but I'm not even going to go over their comments as much as I am, and I, and this goes into again the optics conversation. Somebody on Black Twitter pointed this out, and I want and I, I kind of shared this with you earlier, and I would love to get your take on this. Tom Izzo makes $4.6 million a year as the head coach of Michigan State, which is a public public school, which gets funding from the state of Michigan, and he is the second highest paid state employee, right under Jim Harbaugh, who's the University of Michigan football coach. And Tom Izzo works with a lot of black athletes. In this case, the athlete that he was, you know, putting his finger in his face, pulling him towards him the whole nine, is a black kid. A lot of people were saying it feels a little bad and the optics aren't okay when you, the person making $4.6 million and the second highest paid salary in the state, is yelling at somebody who's playing a sport out of amateurism for free 
for free. They're like, oh, no, it's not free. You get a college tuition. A college tuition is not a salary. And not only are you yelling at him. Most but of those kids don't go to class anyway. Hello. <laughs> but not only are you yelling at him, you're doing it in a demeaning and demonstrative way. Is that okay? And I'm asking you, one, is it okay? Two, if it was your kid, how would you handle it? And three, in general, do you feel like people who aren't a part of a sport should ever be able to have an opinion on what it takes to actually either be a coach or play the game? Damn, that's a lot of questions. Because, like, honestly, this is this this is one of those things where if you really think of the optics of how bad it looks, if you're a parent, there's one way you're going to think about this. If you happen to... <laughs> If you happen to have been a player previously of any sporting event and or any sport for that matter, you could take this one way or the other because you could have had an aggressive coach. But I don't know. I don't know what your situation was. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to get a feel from you with the optics being the way they are. And you saw the video. Right. First start from the angle. Law had me watch a compilation first of Izzo's isms. Start from the angle of was this okay <laughs> in your mind? Uh, you you know, and this is what I told you when I watched the video. It seems like he gets so riled up and then he gets to a point where he remembers who he's talking to. Like he remembers he can't be physical or, or take it to that next step because it's like he remembers the situation that he's in. And it's almost like on certain times in the compilation video that we saw when he's went off on, on different people, it almost looks like he's ch- he's about to charge at them. He's about to do something violent. And he has to remember in the moment to stop himself because of the situation that he's in. And also, I feel like the circumstance that he he's in is the only thing that stops him. It's almost like I can't wring your neck and I can't put my hands on you because if I did, I wouldn't have a player on my team. <laughs> so because of that, I'm going to get so mad where I almost do it, but then I got to stop myself. So it, it looks like he wants to do something and then he reels himself back. But um, I, I don't know. Like people say, okay, well, that's his coaching style. Obviously, it's gotten him far. But like I said to you before, you said the last championship they had was in 2000. My guy, it's been two decades. So what is it doing for you now? <laughs> like, really? Maybe you need to take another approach. Because at the end of the day, when it comes down to Michigan State, you've been coaching them since 95. So... If you, it was your kid, though, would you be... If you if saw was, that on TV, okay, so what if would it you was do? My, so this is what I hate. I hate the reactions of people saying, well, if it was my kid, I would come down there and I would... Do. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Now, if it was my kid, this is what I would do. You shut up. You just let it go. No, it would. I, I would stem it all the way back to before he even applies to that college, or 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 even looks, or sets his sights on Michigan State. I would say to him, "We're gonna research these teams, and we're gonna research these coaches, and we're gonna, there's footage of these people. There's enough research for any parent to do to see if this is the type of situation they want their their child to be in." And yes, it's their child, but at the end of the day, their child is an adult. So if they want to go somewhere, they're going to go somewhere. If my child decided, after watching footage of Izzo, treat his um, players like they're second-class citizens, if he still decided 
this is where I want to go, I would say to him, all right, well, you see what you're going to have to be dealing with, right? So if this is what you want to put, if this is the type of position you want to put yourself in out of all of these great teams, depending on the level of how good my child is, I would say, this is your bed. You will lie in it. And I hope everything works out. That's it. Because at that point, I can't make the decision for you. I'm not the one playing. I'm not the one who has my heart set on something. You are going to figure it out. And if it doesn't work out, fine, we'll go to a different school. But if it does and you're fine with it, you know what you got yourself into, right? So on one hand, I kind of feel like, all right, if people know this is how he is, and they still decide to go to the school and put themselves in this situation to to deal with the wrath of Izzo, then you know you already know. But that is not to say that what he's doing is okay just because he's been doing it for 25 years. R. Kelly's been doing what he's been doing for 25 years, and just because he's gotten away with it doesn't mean that it's okay. And no, this is not the same situation. All say, I'm saying is that. <laughs> People are using the excuse of, well, this is how he's always done things. Yeah, but that's not just an excuse. That's that's the majority of the sports argument. That is, that is that's how coaches coach. That is not how all coaches coach. Sure, I've been in sports. Too, too. I like I brought up Steve Kerr to you. Like, how many championships does he have coaching very calmly, might I say? He looks like he's at the library reading a book. Like <laughs> he's super calm, right? Halfway smiling while he's coaching. Maybe because his team is doing so well, but like my thing is like Everyone's making a big deal about, well, these these players aren't getting uh, paid. So why would you treat someone who's not getting paid that way? Okay, so if they were getting paid, would, that, would it still be okay? No. It's a matter of respect. At the end of the day, the only reason he's getting money is because of these players. And at the end of the day, every year these players change on this team. So if your team hasn't won a championship in 20 years, and this is the way that you go about berating them, some people believe in instilling fear to get results. But I don't know. That may not work for everybody. What do you think? Well, here's my first part of this. Um, I've been around coaches that would do the same thing that Izzo is doing. And for me personally, it made me focused. But that's me. Uh, on the flip side, I don't appreciate a coach who's going to grab or touch me in any capacity. I do appreciate them talking to me sternly and being more militant about it, but I do not appreciate any physical contact by a coach. I don't need you to grab me. I don't need you to touch me, even if it was MMA, karate, etc. Just don't <laughs> fucking touch me. Um, uh, on the flip side, though, um, there is there is something to the fact that Yes, you make way more money than all of us. Like, if you if I'm a player, you make way more money than all of us. So I'm holding you at a much higher standard than I high than I do anyone else. So with that being said, though, me holding you at a higher standard means you don't talk to me in a way that you wouldn't talk to I don't know your son, or you don't talk to me in a way that you try to fake like you are my father figure. Like, do you feel like he's trying to do that though? I think I he puts on sense. he puts on this sh- this kind of show where it sounds like he is that to a lot of these guys. But that well, maybe a lot of these guys don't have father figures, and maybe he's been told they see him as such in private conversations, which makes him think that that's what he is. Possible, possible. But I I I 
I think my bigger thing for him is you do have to learn to control your emotions because I don't think in 2019 there is going to be very many people, whether it's news or parents, that are going to be okay with you talking to the kid the way that you talk to them, kind of. I don't want to say putting your hands on them, but you grabbing them in a way that I felt like was a little force. And then on top of that, using language that's disparaging. Like, you've got to do better. Do you feel like this is a racial thing, though? I don't know. I did see the other clips where he's doing this with a he white kid, but I don't know. He did the same thing to one of his I don't white know. players. I don't know. Personally, okay, I'm sorry, but we gotta we gotta hold as black people. Sometimes we need to hold ourselves accountable for pulling the race card too often. And honestly, when you look at basketball, it's a black sport. It really is. So, seeing that Izzo has screamed at a white player of his the same exact way that he screamed at one of his black players, if his way of coaching is to scream at people and act like he's about to buck up on them. And the player happens to be black because basketball is a black sport. Let's not make this racial. I don't believe that he's treating his white players any differently than his black players. There's footage of it. And also, I don't believe that the way that he's treating his players is any different than he would probably actually treat his own son. Really. I really do think he has a temper. I don't think that it can only be not controlled on the court. I think that what you see is what it is maybe even worse when we don't have cameras around who knows but i know one thing i will want to be married to him (laughs) that's all i know (laughs) all right next topic um again centralized around optics for those of you who have been pushing the news away and not wanting to see certain things oh man this next topic made me go what Michael Avenatti, who has been working recently on the R. Kelly case, and he also handled the Stormy Daniels Trump case as a primary lawyer there, has been taken into custody for attempt to extort Nike. Man, Avia, what you got on this? What are the optics in your mind? Or do you think this more or less bolds horribly for, I don't know, um, Nike for their wrongdoing that which is what he was trying to get them to snitch on themselves for or did this just kind of end his career you know i hadn't heard michael avenatti's name until stormy daniels and then hearing it once again with this r kelly case and you know i i truly think it's unfortunate that all of this is transpiring when it is because when it comes to this r kelly case he does not need one more break he does not And I feel like the irony of this happening as he's representing or helping to represent 10 of the victims that are pressing these charges against R. Kelly, I don't know what to make of it, honestly. Um, As far as the Nike extortion, I think that... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I think that... Him being exposed for this is going to ultimately um, begin an investigation on Nike and these schools and how they recruit players. And it it goes all back to the whole Operation Varsity Blues thing. Where where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, 
And I don't think that people can turn a blind eye to this. I don't think that people can solely focus on, well, he was trying to extort them and not pay attention to what he was extorting them for. Like it doesn't exist. Um, so I do, unfortunately, think you said they have audio of him uh, basically confessing to what he did without knowing. It wasn't It wasn't just, it wasn't about them confessing. He just didn't know that they were recording he was, him. Yeah, he was unaware. So he was just talking. Right, so he was just talking, but it's he, actually He incriminated himself right. by basically telling them, and by them, I mean the FBI. The, the Nike team had not only lawyered up, but they also, they took an initial meeting with uh, Michael Evanati. And during that initial meeting, he basically told them, hey, I know what you guys have been doing and you guys need to you guys need to do what I say right away. And then he played hardball with them the second day uh, as well. But during that first day is where he said the most and then he came back and doubled down on it the next day. He basically told them he would extort them for money, but he also let them know that um, he would need the money if they came clean about it and etc and of course that wasn't gonna happen in that way but once you try to extort somebody for 20 mil i mean that's come on man well he was looking for the fast track to the money he could just actually set up a, a whole court case and charge them or, or figured out some way for them to have to go to court for the information that he had on them but clearly this is the way he went about it and it's unfortunate i mean good thing he's a lawyer so that means his network is wide and large and he knows how to get out of situations. But I mean, it's looking like jail time. He may be in jail with his client, R. Kelly. That's what I'm thinking. Facts. <laughs> Facts. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Unfortunately, I, oh, I and I said I, client, I meant to say who he I, was going against. I just want to say, unfortunately, I really do like how he conducts business actually michael Avenatti is one of those people who uh he's a button pusher he'll say whatever he needs to say he'll do whatever he needs to do to try to get the case closed i actually like that mentality in a lawyer and i view him as a small shark i don't view him as a big shark but i view him as a small shark who likes to take on big things pause um <laughs> as far as what's transpired with nike i think it's unfortunate that he would take the route of pay me or deal with my wrath and i'm like Oof. you're playing with a company that has more money than anything that you've ever dealt with like i'm not understanding what your logic is there this is not going to work out for you it just reminds me of a scene that happened in dark knight and if you missed dark knight i don't know what to tell you this is going to be a spoiler about the movie came out in 2008 so do better um <laughs> in dark knight one of bruce wayne's employees found out what was happening on the books, went to the general manager, who is a black guy named Lucius, and said to him, I know who Bruce is. I know that during the weekend, he dresses up as a vigilante and goes and does what he does. And he's like, I'm going to snitch on everybody if you guys don't give me the money that I want. Lucius looks him dead in the eye and says, so you're telling me you think our boss, the guy who owns this company, a billionaire payboy philanthropist, is just out here dressing up like a bat and being a vigilante on the weekends, beating people up left and right, and blah, blah, blah. Really? You think that's what he's doing? And he says, well, I know that's what he's doing. 
And he's like, and you want to extort him. Go for it. Like, just go for it. See how that goes for you. Michael, never go against Batman. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, what do you think is going to happen to Nike in this case? I mean, because like you said, they're a huge corporation. So don't you think there has to be some investigation done now that it's been made aware that there was something? I doubt he would extort them for something that's not true. He's a lawyer. Fair. Fair. And, and, and I, I, So you asked me what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I don't know exactly what's going to happen to Nike, but they're going to face smaller repercussions. And I, he, what he was trying to do was end Nike. I do feel like on the other end, um, man, Michael might go away for a long time. I, the, the reason, they got him on tape. The reason why I'm upset is because I really want R. Kelly to go to jail. And now people are questioning the credibility of the recent or the the sex tape that came out recently from years ago that Michael Avenatti is basically made people aware of. Yeah. They're questioning how he got the tape. They're questioning the person who had the tape, what kind of dealings they were in, if there was some extortion when it came to that, yep. as far as how that information came about. And now it's it's making everything real hazy. And that's the last thing that we need in a case like this that should have been it should have been completed years ago. It, the timing, don't you think the timing is just ironic? Preach. Preach. The optics of this is looking a little shady because the timing is too ironic. I'm sorry. All right, next up on our agenda list, and uh, I, I think we'll we'll do we'll do two more of these before we shut this down because there's just so many topics to cover. Uh, next up on our agenda list is Tiana Trump. If you guys don't know who Tiana Trump is, I believe Tiana Trump is a, uh, what is she, probably a 24, 24-year-old porn star. Um, one of the things that Tiana Trump just said, and we posted it on our Instagram, by the way, and I, I'm, I don't know, I don't want to doubt anything that she's saying because I hate being that guy that doubts what people say when they tell you their truth, but... <laughs> I'll just let you hear it from the horse's mouth directly. No, totally. So the person that like got me, got me, got me into porn was a Pacers player. I was 16 years old and I, he hit me up on Instagram. So we had been, and I had, we have pictures, we have videos of me 16 and having sex with this man. I'm not, 16's age of consent though, so he's good, but That's still. not on Twitter, but okay. Yeah, I know, right? They're like, ah, fuck, <laughs> assholes. But I literally, I told him like a couple years ago, I was like, how old do you think I am? And he like, said some dumb shit, like 26, 20. I was like, no. And when I met you, I was 16. Cra- he like, because he would videotape me. Did he freak out? No. When he realized that all his videotapes were child porn? No. Okay. And he, th- he still shows me them, and a hacker got a hold of them. No one ever did. We never had it blown up. And he's but a you really have a famous no, person. You have a no snitching policy, I'm guessing? Yeah. Have you ever tried to air a guy out, really? No, but I've been thinking about it. Really? Yeah, because there's just one... I let this one famous athlete log into my Instagram and my Twitter because he said he was going to help me out with business. No, he went on there and was messaging men. Hey, messaging men acting like me, but he was like, I got a new number. Hit me up. I got a new iPhone 10. And he would message him, ask them for like videos. I'm talking about top five highest paid basketball player. Wait a minute. So this guy wanted men to send him naked videos of themselves. Th- them fucking girls. 
or or him jacking off or anything. He could no money or no shit. But and so this guy is low key gay, and the world doesn't know about it. Swear to God, you just said top five earning basketball players. That's a pretty small little demographic right there. But I don't. No one would ever know because I don't follow anybody. Well, dude, there's somebody out there who's gonna figure it out. <laughs> just a, such a small category. I'm not even kidding. And fuck you. you somebody hit up, hit up like Slam magazine or some shit. Uh, camera's right there. Yeah. No, I'm. Ooh, I'm so pissed off oh, about that shit right now. You're pissed off about the fact that he utilized your Instagram to do this. What kind of trusting ass bitch are you that you were just letting somebody use your Instagram? Because he said he was gonna help me. Right. Oh. With right. business. And then- so after hearing all of that. I don't know how else to say this, but she gave you information that I don't think any of us were was expecting to hear. Let's first start, though, with the thought of her fucking an NBA player when she's 16. Now, as she stated, in the state of Indiana, the legal age for consent is 16. It's some straight R. Kelly shit to me. And the fact that she tells the guy, hey, at 16, I, 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 wait, she tells him, I was 16 when we were doing this. But she tells him years later, and he didn't know. And he had all these videos saved. And he shrugs it off and continues to like send her those videos like it was natural. That's really weird to me. The assumption on Twitter, and this is alleged, and I'm not saying this is confirmed. The assumption on Twitter was that it was Lance Stevenson, which I was like, you guys can't put that on him. You can't put that on his spirit. You don't know. Why do people think it's him? I don't know. Because he be blowing in people's ears. I don't know. But I would ask you, in terms of the optics on this, let's start with that first part of it. Is it wrong that he was sleeping with the 16-year-old in your mind. And how old was this person when he was sleeping with her? We don't know who it is. We uh, don't know who... because if it's, They if were just it's, on the Pacers at the time. So they could have been from 18 up. Yes, they would have been 18 up. For yeah. sure. Um, this is a problem with the law. When the law is faulty, it's going to cause faulty actions. So if you live in a state that says 16 is okay to have sex with a grown-ass person, like an actual grown person, 25, 35, whatever, then no one's going to feel bad about doing that. If this happened in 2011, Lance would have been like 22 if it was Lance. How old is he? He's 28 right now. Okay. So so say it was him and he was 22 and she was 16. I mean, he was in a place where the law said it was okay. So no one's going to feel bad about doing something when the law is saying it's okay for you to do it. I'm not condoning what this person did. I'm just saying that the fault actually lies with the law. It does. Okay. It does. Who's to say that the same person, and I'm, I don't know who the person is. But does that is. make you a pedophile if you still are okay with the, the videos that you took once you find out, like, this was a 16-year-old? It depends on how old he was at the time that he made the video with her. If he so was, if he was 22. If he was 18, then it's not that, I mean, it's not that much of a difference, honestly. 18 and 16-year-olds go out That's every day, That's still statutory. B. 
Depending 18 and 16 year olds go out every day, be and have relations every day when they are in the same school. I don't like how you simplifying that. I I'm get simplifying the it point. because it happens all the time. But whether or not you want to call it statutory or not, it's what it is. It's but based no one's on gonna look. I get it. No one's really gonna look down on an 18 and a 16. Yes, they do. What are you talking about? Parents are not comfortable with that. Listen, if seriously, if a 16 year old and an 18 year old are at the same school and, and they're in a relationship, parents are not going to look down on that. As opposed to. A 16-year-old and a 22-year-old who's in college or off in the NBA or off living their life being an adult. They're not. They're going to think, oh, this boy goes to your school. You're going to prom with him? Cool. But going back to our <laughs> what is the optics of that, though? Aren't the optics that you're a statutory rapist? Listen, I can't identify the optics because I don't know the full information. I don't know how old this guy was. I can't sit here and like be all hypothetical and say, "Well, this looks bad." I don't know how the guy was from. Everybody to say on the team was over the age of twenty. Everybody. So then what? The optics look bad that Indiana allows sixteen-year-olds to have sex with twenty-year-olds and no one gets charged. Okay, fair enough. I'm. I, well, I have to go the- to the source. Like that looks bad. That makes the state look. And bad. And then what about the other part of the story where? <laughs> One of the NBA players takes her phone and is basically soliciting random people for their dick pics as well as, which sounds a little like the person may have been gay. She alluded to them being yeah, gay. Yeah, yeah. What would be the other reason for that to even happen? I don't know. Just to prank her? I don't know. <laughs> no benefit of the doubt on that. No, nope. I don't. I don't know about that. Like your motivation is real <laughs> sketch. But but <laughs> they were saying it's a top five. It, she said it could be a top five NBA player in terms of salary. And so we looked up the top five salaries in the NBA right now. Yeah, Steph Curry is the number one. LeBron James is number two. Paul Millsap is number three. Blake Griffin is number four. Gordon Hayward is number five. And then I'll throw in a couple other names. Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, Russell Westbrook. Those are the names. Um, when I was looking on Twitter, a lot of people were trying to associate this with Paul George, although Paul George was on that team, that Pacers team that she was talking about before. He is not one of the highest played players, so I don't know. But I think she was just talking off the cuff, so I don't really think she has any real information on that. I think she was just shooting the shit. Why do people think it was Paul George? Do they think he's gay? I don't know. That's a really random name know. to just throw out there. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, this seems like something Paul George I like would do. I think it's all <laughs> fucked up to like. That is jacked up to the, like attach any, someone's name to it. Yeah. You, you, you basically attaching their name to something that they have no control over. It's just a rumor. I, you know what? The optics of her talking about men without giving names is just weird to me. Why do you need her to be Corinne Stephens about it? Like, what's kind the, of. Okay, I would like. Go. I don't need her to be, but I would like her to be because I'm just like, I don't know who you're talking about, so I can't really assess what you're saying properly. You know what I'm saying? So just like you, you're asking me, what do I think about the optics of someone having sex with her when she was 16? I'm like, I don't know who it was. I it's hard for me to assess that. I don't know who it was. Do you think this happens with other NBA players? As far as NBA players Sleeping having with people with that, underage. That, that are that young. Do you think this happens where they just don't know? 
Oh, they just they just don't know. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I think that's why they, I was shocked. If they don't know, if they don't because know, because I feel like a lot of players find women. If not, she found this was done by a social media. But a lot of players just find women in the clubs, and if you can't, most oh, I can't say you can't get in the club without. Let me tell damn, you something. My fault. Nothing. If you look on Instagram, sixteen-year-olds are looking twenty-two. Yeah, but I was gonna make the it's, point that there, if we find them in the club, then most likely they fake IDs have know, been around just, since I, before right, we were born. Well, good talk. And if they already look twenty-two, they can use their actual picture for a fake ID. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not just using someone that they know who's older, who they could pass for. Like, we used to do back in the... Ooh, how I used to do back in the day. But, um... <laughs> All right, let's move on from this. Well, no, what, let's, what, let's move okay, on. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Bye, Tiana. All right. <laughs> Bust down, Tiana Trump. All right. Uh, moving on to our next subject. Our next subject is a IG personality by the name of Jess Hilarious. And for those of you who don't know who Jess Hilarious is... She creates a little segment on Instagram called Just With The Mess. She gives you news about celebrities and... Her news is real. (laughs) (laughs) She currently is dating Country Wayne and... all. to be confused with Lil. With all that being said, Just caught a lot of flack the past week. Avia, fill him in. So basically, she was boarding a plane, going somewhere, and... um, she puts up a video where, as she's boarding the plane, she sees a couple of guys with... Uh, they were up to no good. <laughs> Start making trouble on her flight. <laughs> uh, with uh, turbans, turban wrappings around their heads. And then she was like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, oh. Like fake scared. And let's just be very clear. The men, the men that she saw was Sikh. And I don't think Jess is aware of the differences... <laughs> Between any brown people. And I'll just let you continue. Right. So there must have been some sort of altercation that was started by her, initiated by her. Because all of a sudden, there's a video where she's talking about how the men had to be escorted off the plane. Nope. She had nothing to do with that. She made that very clear. Oh, she had nothing to do with it? Nothing to do with that. She made that clear after the backlash, though, right? No. She just said, oh, they took us off of the plane. And now look at this. You guys were being funky with me. So I'll let her. I'll let's, let just, her. let's just roll the footage. Yep. Niggas know I'm never fucking racist. But I spotted something. I pointed it out earlier. And we got evacuated from our plane. We we were on the plane, we were on the plane for like an hour. And um, did not get to pull off. Um, everybody was coming at me. Oh, you racist bitch. You fucked up. You bitch. You bitch. Because I pointed out four different people that I saw on the plane earlier. So when we had to evacuate with no reason at all, nobody said anything. We just had to evacuate. And I don't see the same four people that I've fucking seen before. Apologize, bitch. That's what y'all need to do. Stop being so fucking scared, nigga. Because that's one thing I'm not. I'm not scared of y'all. I'm not scared of nobody. And I got the do-rag on because my waves are spinning. But don't play with me. Don't play with me. If I'm scared, I'm scared. Fuck y'all. Fuck how y'all feel. Y'all mad at me because I don't side with every other black person. Because I don't side with every other race. Fuck y'all. I feel how I feel. I felt threatened. And that was it. Fuck y'all. And I'm not flying there. We were evacuated, bitch. Why? Why? With no reason explained at all. No technical difficulties or nothing. 
Y'all gonna listen to Just With The Mess one day. Because <laughs> my news is real. So how ironic is it that we boarded the same plane and I don't see those people? Mm. Yeah, we're fully boarded. Eat my ass. I'm just the mess. <laughs> and my news be real. Yeah, okay. The last part of that video is when she was actually on the plane. So I don't I don't know. It seems a little hazy in the story of if she was a reason or a factor in them getting off the plane. She wasn't. We know that to be true for, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Mm. The theme today, as we already talked about, was optics. With this, the optics of what she did makes her sound super ignorant and super... Super prejudice, and almost to the point where I would call her racist as well. Um, the prejudgments that dress is uh, putting on them come from somewhere, though. And I would say that our media, especially based on what happened in 9-11, perpetuated a lot of stereotypes amongst brown people. And... I'm not saying that Jess is not shouldn't be held accountable for her actions, but I do think we have an a very Islamophobic, even though this has nothing to do with that actually, is but we have a very Islamic phobic uh xenophobic in general. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of messages that we get about brown people where we're not able to separate them culturally, we're not able to understand who believes in what, and then we're not able to just separate as a as a whole that not everybody that's a part of one religion handles things the same way there are extremists in all forms of life and it's unfortunate that Jess had the audacity to come out of her side of her lip even though she apologized with that bullshit because no matter her apologizing or not the optics on this aren't going to change anytime soon they're just not they're not there's going to be a ton of people that are going to feel a way about what she did. And when she comes back to her Fox show, the rail show. Is she coming back? I just don't know how that's going to be taken. That's all I'm going to say to that. Mm. You know, there was a lot of people who were not familiar with her before until this happened. And then once they saw what what, what she said, they immediately canceled her. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of tweets of people that are like mostly non-black people that are like I don't know who you are but I hate you already <laughs> well that, that's what makes this funny because this goes back to something you said before how are you canceling something that you never knew existed or how are you canceling something that you can't afford or how are you they're preparing to never support <laughs> That's what they're doing. It's preparation to never support them on anything that they're about to do going forward now that they're aware of their existence that's what that is. I think that um, um, I did a little reading on, on Sikhs, and it's basically the fifth most popular religion in the world. And they do everything not on a caste system. Everyone is equal. They're all about service. They're all about equality. They're all about peace. And um, like actually wearing a head wrap or a turban is part of their culture. And I think it's really, really sad that someone who is a part of a of a religion such as this that's actually a a positive religion that's not about 
what we think based off of how they look is aesthetically attached to a group of people who have calm who have caused our country so much harm. Right. I think that's crazy and and unfortunate really because us as Americans, I don't even think that we have the knowledge to even recognize one from another. She was calling the Muslims in her apology. She was like, I got Muslim. Well, not in her apology, but in her, when she had to defend herself after her video release, she said, I have Muslims in my family. I'm not racist, blah, blah, blah. How many black friends you got? Right. <laughs> that's what that it's like, like, that's nice, but they're not Muslim either. So what are you saying? <laughs> um. I think that for me, when this came out, it actually caused me to look more into Sikhs and how they move and who they are and the differences between them and Muslims and, and why we do get them confused because aesthetically they look the same. Um, but I'm tired of Jess with the mess. Someone wrote on Twitter, her middle name should be Iza. Like, Ooh. Jess, you are a mess. And people are tired of you saying all these ignorant things for hee hees, ha 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 ha, laughs. And then when you realize something that you said was so ignorant that no one can tolerate it, you want to come back crying in your apology. This is the second time this girl has apologized, what, this year or in the last couple of months for ignorant things that she said? First time was when someone made a comment about how she's always posting on Shade Room, she must be on their payroll, which is true. And then she clapped back with the with with the term faggot, and you know was coming back at them so hard, and then came back apologizing to all her gay supporters. She didn't mean it. Like, girl, you are too old to be acting this young. I, the optics on you is, is you need to work on your image. She's looking funny in she, the light. She needs to pay for some PR at this point. She's looking funny in the light <laughs> and in the dark. All right, last last one that we wanted to cover, a uh, Mr. Jesse, my best friend, Smoke. Gay Tupac. <laughs> Woo, Gay Tupac was litty lit lit as he left the courtroom today. Um, I don't know if they know anything about it. Can you fill them in? Can you On what them, happened can today? You give them an update, a quick update. Anything? Basically, all charges against Jesse Smollett have been dropped. All charges. And what's even sad is that after Jesse was left off uh, scot-free, I should say, um, hold on right quick. Basically, uh, the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Emanuel, he went on this whole tirade about how he doesn't agree with what happened and about how Chicago PD works so hard to bring justice and to bring issues to the forefront um, and to make the community safer. And they work so hard to do all these things. And for him to be left off scot-free just basically disregards all the work that they've done for this case. He called it a whitewash of justice. I was like, damn. So the optics on this makes it look like, okay, was someone paid under the table? What's going on? Because uh, supposedly there was so much evidence 
that they swore Jesse was going to go to jail and they swore that people were going to find him guilty. Hardcore evidence that we're going to point to to him being guilty. Yet now he's let off the hook for some odd reason. Something ain't clean. Something in the milk ain't clean. What do you think? I think something was said that really triggered me in relation to the statement that was made by the cops about this more than anything. The cops and the optics behind the cops is what really got me. The public perception behind what the cops said made me go, the f*** is going on. Like, I, I literally wanted to stop, pause, and slap the dog shit out of somebody with the commentary that they gave. Um, they, in my opinion, believe that nothing had went wrong. and I mean, that, that Jesse was still at fault, but they were confused as to how this had gotten turned into what it turned into. Here was, the, here was the statement that really did it. What the Cook County prosecutors are saying about the drop charges is as follows. After reviewing all of the facts and circumstances of the case. So you just told us you reviewed all the facts and circumstances. And you add this shit to it. Including Mr. Smollett's volunteer service in the community. And agreement to forfeit his bond to the city which was ten thousand dollars we believe this outcome is just a disposition and appropriate resolution to this case what that's not an answer that's literally not an answer that makes no sense i'm super upset for two reasons i'm super upset that we spend so much time really trying to analyze this just for it to end this way. Really? It's like a freaking emotional roller coaster of should we believe him, should we not believe him? And then all of a sudden it just comes to an abrupt halt. Like, really, this is how this is going to end? It's like a movie ending in the middle. Like, no, we were just getting to the climax. What are you saying? Secondly, I'm upset also that, to me, Chicago PD does not have a good, good reputation. If you were to ask me. Chicago PD, if I bring up R. Kelly again, and I'm not saying the, the players that are in PD now, but they have a history of working with R. Kelly so that he doesn't get charged facts. on things. He has big facts. police officer friends in Chicago who have helped him get away with a lot of things over the years. Triple facts. Then you have this Jesse Smollett case, and this is how things are treated? Let's not even touch on the fact that Chicago is like the murder capital and as much time and energy and and exposure that we spent on this stupid ass case where no one really got harmed, there are people getting killed every day in Chicago off of gang activity. Like I'm just super upset with my city right now. Like super. And this does not make it any better. Facts. It's like where is the justice in Chicago? Is there any? Do we put anybody in jail for things that they've actually done? Or does everyone get paid under the table these days? <laughs> I'm just I'm wondering. I'm read. wondering. I expect a lot more from I Chicago. I got one more question for you about this, though. How, again, going back to our theme of the optics, how do you think this is 
How do you think? What is what is the perception of the people living in Chicago right now? What do you the think? People it is? living in Chicago. Yeah. What do you think their perception of this is? Because what when the police force was on this, when the police force was holding their press conference, they said Jesse owes the city of Chicago an apology. Now, what's that gonna do? Now, hold on, <laughs> because he's like, you weren't exonerated of anything, and. We've made sure that everybody knows that you weren't exonerated of anything. Ultimately, he's saying, hey, you still did what the fuck I think you did. And you should have to pay for that in some capacity, whether it's a public shaming or something. Do you think that the people of Chicago feel that way? Do you feel like they were used? Do you think... Their taxpayers and their money is going to a case that never happened to services... That didn't get fulfilled when it comes to finding justice for something that some that actually happened. Like it's just kind of like a waste. So I think that people in Chicago feel the same way as people anywhere else, and they feel like this is just one more thing that tarnishes our city's name, and we really didn't need it. Got it. Like we really did not need this to happen. Yeah. Why? And. It, I don't think people are looking for an apology. That's just stupid. Because it's not going to change anything. Um, I, I don't know. What do you think? I think at this point, the op- optics of this actually hurt both Jesse or Jussie. However the fuck you say his name. That's probably and, not even his name. He's a and, <laughs> and the Chicago PD. Who's in Chicago? So, so you ask me my opinion on this. I think it hurts both of them. I think the optics look bad for both sides. I think on one end, uh, if you're Jussie, it feels like rich people privilege that you got away with this and it's kicked down the street and nobody does anything. On the other end, on Chicago PD side, I feel like it's a slap in the face of not only the city of Chicago, but it tells me everything I need to know about where they stand on coming to real justice if I live there. All right, we're like, oh, so you guys don't give a fuck about anything. Oh, I think they already felt that just so, by the gang activity alone. So that, 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 I'm gonna leave that for where it is. That's my two cents. Who, who's in charge of letting him off the hook? Um, just what I was just looking at. Is it the judge? Is it the... Because this is like an OJ trial that just never went to trial. Like, this just feels like an OJ situation where it's like everyone knows that you did something wrong, but you're 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 coming away scot-free. My thing is, if Jesse doesn't file for defamation of character, then that shows that he's guilty. The Cook, the Cook County prosecutors are who let him off. Oh, wow. And it wasn't the cops. Okay. And the cops were bewildered by the decision. Well, right. right. Dumb I mean, because that's why. Bamboozled, hoodwinked. <laughs> that's. <laughs> okay, V. Oh, that's, that's why the mayor was defending them because it, they, they had spent so much time and energy into this situation and it came to nothing to avoid. Um, I just think that Jesse's not going to file for defamation of character because he knows he did this shit. And I think that any innocent person would. So that tells you where he stands. Well, just like that, 
that's our episode. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Um, you can catch us on Google Play. You can catch us on iTunes. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram. And shout out to BuzzFeed. Shout out to Shade Room. Good night.